You are now tuning in to Nude Radio with your host, Kenny Heflin, and I'm joined by one of my beautiful friends. Can't wait to chop it up with her and have a great conversation. You know, I've been looking forward to having this conversation for like two years now, so I'm really hype about it. What about you? I'm excited. Hey, everybody. I'm Monet. Hey, nudist. I'm sitting here with the nude guy himself in a cute little nude dress. <laughs> you know, here to have a cute conversation. Um, I've listened to his show, so I'm really honored that he has me here. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. Welcome to Houston. You already know H-Town been treating me cute, I will say. And a, and a big part has been just like the hospitality from uh, Miss Monet over here, so... Definitely glad that I got to come and hang out. Like we got, we got some fun the uh, last couple of nights. I it's been it's been a legendary show. <laughs> you've been you've been doing your thing. We've been having fun. Mm-hmm. We've been out and about. We really have. So tell me what you think of Houston. You know, Houston is like turned into like my new favorite city in mm. the U.S. I will not, say, no country as Houston. No, for real, because. It's so much stuff to do, especially as like a a black, you know, millennial. I mean, it's a lot that we have uh, access here in this city, which I've really been enjoying. So a lot of establishments, a lot of different places that you can go to. Mm -hmm. And everybody's really nice. Mm -hmm. And especially like I was telling you the other night, a lot of the guys, they don't just stare at you like they actually speak, which is something that you don't get in LA, which has been um, refreshing, I would say. Yeah, because they've definitely been choosing. The boys have been out. It's been it's been a good time. They definitely have been out. <laughs> I mean, you know. And that's why like I wanted to have this conversation with you. Like I said, like this particular topic this week is uh, a part of the disclosure series. And it's really important that I want to touch on this because y'all know that I love to pick up on different people's experiences mm-hmm. and really, you know, get like your own personal experience from things and be able to touch on some topics that some people tend to run from or don't have enough uh, information on. Okay. You know, so mm-hmm. like I say, it's gonna be it's gonna be something, but you know, like you said earlier, we're gonna get some things. Mm-hmm. You know, but before uh we start, uh make sure to subscribe to Nude Radio streaming on all platforms where you can hear podcasts mm-hmm. and make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Nude Radio 101 and on Twitter at Nude Radio 101 as well. And where can we find uh, the best place to find you, Miss Monet? Well, I don't really do too much social media. I keep it really low key, but if you would like to see my page, I only have one. I have Insta, I mean, I have Facebook, TikTok, none of that, but you can follow me on Instagram at Monet, spelled M O N E dot D E L E O N, Monet. Check me out, that bitch. She is, <laughs> which again, we're going to touch on that, you know, and I guess like really just to start really like what has been your experience, you know, just living and 
it's becoming like Monet. Like, how has that been for you? It's been evolution, I would say. Um, I've constantly evolved. I would say if I had to put it, I'm my third lifetime, mm -hmm. I feel. Um, I really don't even feel like my age is in years, it's in lifetimes. But right now I'm on my third one. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, life in general has been a completely just evolving experience, new experiences, new people, new situations, um, discovering myself physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, it's been very healing. It's been freeing mm -hmm. in a way. Um, so, I mean, I just feel like it's just been so many different things. You know what I'm saying? That kind of have put it to where it's at now. So it's hard to really say what it's been. It's more been, I would just say, a journey mm -hmm. out of all things. I like that. Yeah, because like I say, y'all, this, a part of the Disclosure series, you know, I wanted to touch on what it's like to be trans. Like, what is that experience like personally, right? And, you know, and getting to know Monet throughout the years, we met through Clubhouse, like with a couple people that I've had in the show. Uh, it's been like, I mean, y'all have all been so interesting has and have all added so much to just like my knowledge base. And, um, you know, really just like for me to like live vicariously through some of y'all's experience and stuff, it's been like interesting because like I say, I always like to learn more. Mm -hmm. I love to know about people, like what makes people tick and everything, like what their stories is. So, you know, I mean, with with this one, I feel like you would definitely be able to, you know, touch on some stuff and whatever. And like I say, like open us up to like what the world is for, for like, you know, for you. So I'm the first trans woman on your show. The first. The first. The only. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, just wanted to make sure. But um, with that being said, I'm really honored. Again, thank you. Um, but I would say for me, so the question was what you said. Um, like what? When did you become Monet? Like, and what was that first lifetime? Because you mentioned you're your third. Like, what was the first, second? And give us like just you know a nice little synopsis of what those three lifetimes has been about. Okay, so when I was born, I would say my first lifetime was, you know, I was just a normal child. When I was mm -hmm. born, I was assigned male at birth. Mm -hmm. So I lived, you know, a typical male experience at that time. Um, I did all of the things that you probably would never think I did. Nigga, I played football. Passing hmm? my position. I was defense. See, in my ass, I don't even know what the hell. I know what a running back is. That's I play football. I play basketball. I play baseball. Um, and a lot of these things, I really didn't. I ran track. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a lot of the things that I feel like normal children did. Um, so I would say that was my first lifetime. Just kind of that. I feel like if you know, you know, and you've done those sort of things, you kind of know what that lifestyle is. So I was working out, hanging out doing stuff with my teammates. Mm -hmm. I was in Boy Scouts. My mama kept me very active. Damn. Yeah, I was hashtag involved. <laughs> I had shit to do. Damn. I was in choir. Um, I was in theater arts in high school. Um, so, so I did a lot. So I would say that's the first one, right? Mm -hmm. Then the second one is when 
I ended up getting kicked out of my parents' house. Um, I was deemed homeless youth when I was 16. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, being outside of my mom's house, I was able to then start to do things and like go out. Like that was my first time going to like a gay bar, mm -hmm. like being around other um, gay people and stuff. Not to say that I wasn't around, but at my school, I feel like I was the only open feminine um, presenting mm. person. I thought, of course, now that I'm older, it was a lot of, well, I'm not going to say gay men, maybe just men that were interested in men mm -hmm. because it was like, you really could have had fun with a lot of people, but I was too shy and insecure to realize it. But now that I'm older and I'm a woman and I know what game is and flirting, it was like, baby, you was not all by yourself. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, so the second lifestyle, I would have to say was just like a Yay. So I did live that experience. You know what I mean? I did go out, hang out. I was able to go out and do things. And then from there, um, I transitioned into womanhood. Um, so that's all I would say. So it's like three different things okay. for me. Because each person to me was different. Mm -hmm. um, being at my mom's house when I was younger, I was very sheltered. Mm -hmm. um, and then being able to live outside of that young, you know what I mean, 16. Mm -hmm. having to find a way to get to school, coming all the way from the Southwest into Pearland, no car, still graduated, graduated early, by the way. Um, could have been a high school dropout, mm -hmm. didn't. Um, so it was just different experiences. And I feel like it happens in phases the way that it needed to for me mm -hmm. to get there. I don't think that I would have been able to skip any of the phases. And I feel like all of them have combined to the person that you see now. Wow. What a beautiful story. Yes. But <laughs> more importantly, so the womanhood aspect, because I feel like that's what y'all really want to know. Um, that for me, I knew and then I didn't know growing up. Right. So because I was so sheltered, to think that I would be able to be the person that I am now, that would have never been a thought in my mind. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any trans people. I didn't see it on TV. You know, I come from um, a traditional, you know, cis hetero household. Mm -hmm. My father and my mother and father have been married for 28 years. Um, you know, we've lived in the same house. I've never been moved around. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had a pretty stable upbringing. Um, grew up in a Christian household. So it was just certain things that my mother didn't expose me to. And then I didn't see that in the environment that I was at. You know, I grew up in the suburbs, so I didn't really have to take, like, lots of public transit, but it wasn't like I was taking the metro. Like, if you know, from Houston, I was, like, riding the metro to school versus riding, like, the regular school bus. To me, it would be a completely different experience because you kind of meet different people. You see a lot of things. I didn't see none of that. So it was never a thought that this was even possible. However, I knew something was different. Mm -hmm. And even my friends remind me now, they're like, it really makes sense because you know how you used to play like house and stuff when you were younger? I sure do. My sis homegirls told me that I used to convince them to be the husband. <laughs> and I would be the wife. Mm -hmm. And some of the friends would be my children mm -hmm. and things of that sort. Or it was just little small things I would do to fill my fish. Like I would try to buy me like some perfume or try to buy like some mascara thinking that I can wear the mascara to school 
and my mama won't notice, but my mama's one of those, like, mom moms. Like, she's all in my face. Like, if it's a scratch on my face, when I walk in the house, she's going to stop me and be like, what happened to your face? Same. My mom like that, too. And then don't say nothing, because she's like, it wasn't no scratch on your face when you left my house today. What happened to your face? Mm -hmm. So even now that I'm older, it's like the fact that I thought I was going to be able to get something by, I really should have known that that wasn't going to be the case. So just any little small thing I would do, and then she or it would be some lip gloss. And then, Lord, she would find it. I used to hate when they would find the shit. And it's like, not you don't find my stash. When I tell you, mama will go through my room. Mm. When I'm not there, she was not one of those type of women that believed in privacy. Mm. And respecting like, oh, I'm not going to go through my child's room. No, mm. just going all through my shit. So it was now that I'm really, and even still at the time, I didn't know that that's what that meant. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, okay, like, I just want to put on some makeup. Or I just want, I don't want to wear cologne. I want to wear perfume. Um, or I would try to buy me some stuff. Then I started getting smart. I would buy some stuff, and then my, I would leave it at my best friend's house. And she would bring it to school for me. Okay. And then I would change at school and then give it to her, and she would put it back in her bag to take home. So I ended up starting to get a little smart with it. You know what I'm saying? A little crafty. So for me, it just kind of happens in phases. And then um, it took for me to get older and be able to educate, you know, myself and know that that was even possible. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, once I realized it was, it like dinked and was like, like, bitch, that's you. You know what I'm saying? Because how old were you when it like just hit you and was like, okay, this is who I am? When it hit me, hit me, I would say about 19, 18, 19 up in there. Um, cause that was part of the main reasons that I dropped out of college was to come home. Cause I ended up going to, um, Lamar. I mm -hmm. thought I was going to be a nurse. No, didn't work out. <laughs> um, then I decided I wanted to be a woman. And it, once I realized that, once I realized who I was, mm -hmm. it was like, that could be my only focus. I couldn't even focus on school, even though. It's possible. I could have stayed in school in mm -hmm. transition. But at the time, me being young, it's like, I just need to do this. And then the gender dysphoria is kicking in. And then I didn't even feel comfortable presenting myself that way anymore. Like, I went through a phase. Even my friends know, they couldn't get me in a photo. <laughs> so, you mentioned gender dysphoria. So, mm -hmm. for some people, obviously, I know, but... And we have Google and things for y'all, okay? But for gender dysphoria, what does that mean for the folks that don't know? Well, it can mean different people for different women and men. But I can tell you what it meant for me. For me, it meant the way, at the time, the way I see myself in the mirror, um, I didn't like that. You know what I mean? Whether it was not having hair, whether it was having body hair, whether it was having facial hair at the time. Um, so the things around how I seen myself didn't align with who I was and who my spirit was. So for me, that will cause me some stress and some anxiety and make me kind of want to seclude from people, not take photos, not be in group settings, not go out. Um, so that's what it meant for me. But for different people, it can mean different things. And not all trans people have gender dysphoria either. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Not everybody does. I'm one of the people that do. Mm -hmm. uh, well, say I have it as much, I would want to correct that did have gotcha. gender dysphoria. Um, but it doesn't affect everybody, but it did affect me. 
because like I always I mean being millennials and stuff I don't know if you used to watch that show uh, True Life on MTV but remember they would have different peoples from you know different walks of life everything with one particular topic and it'll be like three people with that particular situation like you know True Life mm -hmm. I'm a bitch in high school I don't know like True Life I'm anorexic or whatever like I remember seeing some episodes back in a day and this was like the early 2000s where it was uh i think it was like the true life like i'm transgender and that was probably like 2004 i want to say like this is really early on and i think that's when i pretty much found out about like what that meant mm -hmm. and just seeing people's experience you know again this was like three people from different parts of the u.s and everything like that in their own experiences uh being transgender and stuff and they were able to like put us in on some information and what it looks like on their day-to-day -day. Mm -hmm. but you also hear so much about you know and even coming from the ballroom scene and stuff like hearing people's stories about when they figured out that they were in the wrong body and had certain gender dysphoria and everything and a lot of times it's usually when they're like little like kids mm -hmm. so like for you it didn't click until you were like 19. it didn't i didn't know what it was right i feel like mm -hmm. i had signs at the time and i knew something was off mm -hmm. i knew something wasn't right um but i just didn't know what that was um if if that makes sense so um and then some of the things I did, like I still enjoyed some of my life in my previous day. I don't want to paint the picture that I was unhappy. I had a beautiful life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my parents gave me a good life. I was in a good surrounding. Um, I had good friends. I had people that loved me. Um, so I think that that's why it's it. I was able to rest in myself at the time a little better. Um, and for a lot longer than maybe some other people would because I wasn't just completely unhappy if that makes sense. No, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, because even, you know, being a Black gay boy growing up, you know, in the Midwest and stuff, like, I had the bullying. I had all the, you know, the shit that you hear about that a lot of us go through as queer folks. And, but it still didn't negate the fact that, you know, my parents provided a beautiful life for me. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had certain privileges that I'm grateful for. And even just like the fact that growing up in the 90s, we had some fun shit like on TV, like being a kid in the 90s was the best in my opinion. So I had a great childhood, but dot, 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 you know. So that's why I asked you that one because, you know, you never know. Um, but you said that you were seeing like certain signs growing up as it didn't fun. like click. And then it clicked. And then from there, it was just like, okay, I need to focus on this. And what's crazy is um, my birthday is very significant for me. Um, a lot of major things in my life happened around my birthday. But I remember I had set um, an intention at the time that I said, for my birthday, I'm going to be on hormones. And... Um, Prior to that, I had been, just to be correct, for the girls that might be listening, prior to that, I was full-time. Mm -hmm. um, so, but once I actually made, and by full-time, means that day in, day, day, night, wake up, go to sleep, the girl. Mm -hmm. No 
Friday, Saturday, this Sunday, Monday, that full time, all day, all night, wake up, go to sleep, all of that. Um, so after that point of time, because I do think it's important, not everybody agrees. I do think that that is important to do. Mm-hmm to be full-time before you're on hormones. I also believe that you should be on hormones. However, I do have to say that you do not have to be on hormones to be trans. And I'm glad that you touched on that. I'm really glad that you touched on that because a lot of people would sometimes run with what they hear and sometimes they're getting the wrong information Mm -hmm. or they're talking to someone who's generalizing their experience. So I'm, I'm glad that you were able to pinpoint the fact that your experience is similar, but also different from everyone else's. And this is about your life and like your viewpoints, you know? So I'm glad that you like dabbled into it because some people would try to. I don't need the windmill in the comments if you got a comment, you know, technically. But, but to be, if I got to be real, yes, I'm saying, but I believe it's preferred. Mm-hmm. If you are a trans woman and maybe um, you are walking into your womanhood, sister to sister just between us i would recommend that you get on hormones especially if you're trying to be the dog you know what i mean if you try and 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 you're laughing because a lot of the girls who doesn't want to be the dog Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you meet a lot of the girls you meet a lot of us very hyper feminine um very beautiful want to look good and your hormones is a part of that um for me my hormones are very special to me i don't know what i would do with our hormones, especially being a girl that Really, my whole transition has been hormones for me. Um, so that would just show you the power of hormones. But however, you don't necessarily have to take hormones. You should. Take because your and drink your water. I remember hearing that from all my girls back in the day from ballroom. Take they said take your moms and drink a lot of water mm-hmm. and get soft. And don't take and don't do heavy drugs. And if you're gonna do them, don't do them often. You know what I mean? Everything in moderation, if that's what you want to do, but mm-hmm. don't do heavy drugs. Don't put like bad things into your body. Um, and I would say, honestly, isolate yourself a little bit too. That's what I did. That way I wouldn't have to have the opinions in the eyes of other people in my vulnerable place. I deleted all my pictures off of social media, mm-hmm. like anything I could find. And if it was on a friend's page, I made them delete that shit. I've been there before. It had to go. And it was like a moment that like I literally wrapped myself almost in a cocoon, even away from my family, because I knew that my family did not agree at the time. Um, I Even some of my friends didn't want me to do it when I told them, if I'm being honest. Um, and they probably be embarrassed about what they said to me. Then I know the friends that I have now, they wouldn't give me the advice, but I don't think it was negative. I think it was negative, but it wasn't coming from a negative place, just in case somebody hears. But, you know, it's just, you know, how people have to be educated on things and then also just being concerned for my safety. Mm-hmm. And then also they they had a certain picture of what trans looked like at the time. Mm-hmm. And what trans looks like today, what is portrayed on media is not what they saw at the time. So I can't really fully blame them for thinking of trans being a certain thing based off what they were exposed to at that particular time. 
Got you. You get what I mean when I say that? Because I remember, again, coming up through the 90s and the early 2000s. Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer. <laughs> Maury. Maury, all of that, you know, when they was trick trying to, to trick, them, trick the trade and all that stuff or whatever. And it's just like, I remember so, it was it. so beautiful. It was crazy. And then some of it wasn't. So, <laughs> so to me, now I look back at it. That's fair. Back at it, and now I really laugh because it's like, y'all really want to believe that this man, like, that's just the whole sensationalizing that they always want. And I say that to say that even though I say that they weren't beautiful, mm-hmm. the girls don't have to be beautiful to get a man. Even fish ain't got to be beautiful to be a man. <laughs> I mean, to, uh, to, get one. to get a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I was saying is that at the time, they like to sensationalize, oh, she tricked this person. But what I'm trying to say is that motherfucker knew. It wasn't no tricking involved. And that's mm-hmm. always been, you know, the story that we've had to trick. And then it's like, any other time, everybody said they know. Oh, bro, you could tell by the voice. You could tell by the hands. You could mm-hmm. tell by this. You could tell by that. But as soon as a man says he didn't know, mm-hmm. it's the truth. Instead of standing on that, so it's like, let's keep that same energy, but we're going to get off topic. But yeah, at the time, it was just Maury and all of that kind of stuff. So I could see why they gave me the advice that they gave me at the time. But I really was like, I'm going to jump. Like, I'm, I'm going to do it. Because it was these friends uh, that were like cishets or even like their, their friends? Um, no, sis. I grew up around a whole bunch of um, cis women. Cis mm-hmm. of women. Um, those was my girls. That's who I transitioned around. Mm-hmm. I have a really good relationship with um cis women. I don't have an issue being around my girls. My girls, I've learned a lot from them. Um, I think that it's beautiful our relationship. You know, I respect them. I honor them. Um, I know I'm an extension of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's just a mutual respect and admiration. And but like, as a trans woman, you want to. You don't want to. You can if you want to transition around the boys, but you need to get around the girls. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to learn and pull from them. That's who you should emulate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's Well, that's who I emulate. I go tell you what you should do. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was Black, cis, hetero women that taught me how to wrap my hair. Told me the truth when, you know, an outfit wasn't right mm-hmm. or how to style some shit together or even would do my makeup for me when I didn't know how to do it myself. So I was able to pull a lot from cis hetero women um, that were in my life or even just, you know, in passing or whatever, because I've had such an admiration Mm -hmm. for women. Um, So, yeah. I love that because with them, you know, again, coming, coming up from ballroom, a lot of my girls that I grew up around, they were centered around just us, like the Butch Queens. And, you know, I dealt with the whole situation where, you know, a friend would go out of town. I remember we went to college and uh, she went to college uh, Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, came back a girl. Mm -hmm. And we had to delete every picture, Mm -hmm. um, Facebook, Twitter, all that shit. She was not having it. But it was that adjustment. But again, it was us. Like it, she was with boys, 
and she didn't really spend a lot of time and still doesn't spend a lot of time around like the girls like the like especially like cishet women at that so yeah it's, it's very interesting shit yeah i mean i'm not gonna say maybe she just hasn't had the same experience i've had with mm -hmm. you know what i mean so maybe that's just a testament of the women that i've kept around me because maybe if that was the case it wouldn't have been that way mm -hmm. you know what i mean i would have had to find community within my community um so i was able to find community and just being black you know what i'm saying from straight people gay people mm -hmm. um but you know not every girl has that option they have to come to you know the black gay community for that family um for that community so you know hopefully she's able to you know meet some people or whatever maybe i mean because it's like even coming from like the gay experience as a dude it's just like I have so many friends that got put out, you know, when they were younger. I got so many friends that got disowned, you know, parents still don't talk to them and stuff like that. And when they see, like, my relationship with my parents and, like, how solid that we are, and, you know, they always say, like, oh, like, I love that, that you have that connection and, like, that bond with both your parents. Mm -hmm. And being an out and open gay man and stuff, because I came out when I was 18. So it's a blessing and it is a privilege just to even have that in my life but i know from you know just through social media like i've seen like you're close to your parents too so down yeah like with your family and friends like how long did it take for them to get like comfortable knowing you and your new and true self friends family okay, i'm gonna start with family because the friends i feel like they came around rather quickly i don't ever well, if they expressed, they never expressed being uncomfortable. That was never the 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 statements. Um, it was more so just concern and then not fully understanding, if that makes sense. Um, but for my parents and for my brothers, because I'm the oldest, um, I have two younger brothers who I love and cherish. Um, so I'm like the what is it, the big little sister or the little big sister? Because I'm trying to say they're bigger than me. Yeah. Big so that would be the big little sister. Mm -hmm. Period. Um, it took a minute. I'm not gonna lie, it took some time. <laughs> um and honestly, I didn't make it easy. But that wasn't my intention to make it easy because at the time for me, it was about me. I feel like I had given you 18 years. Um, I've given you all of that, but this was about me. Mm -hmm. Like when I did this, I literally knew that your mama may not ever speak to you. Mm. Um, your daddy may not ever. And I think that it's important for women and men. Mm -hmm. Um, shout out to my trans brothers. Okay. Um, period. Because y'all niggas be fine. Mm -hmm. And good men. Um it's important that you work that out within yourself first. And I really sat with myself and was like, if your mama don't talk to you, your daddy don't talk to you, your brothers don't talk to you, are you going to be able to live with that? You know? And what's crazy is I wrote a letter to myself oh. before I started uh, medically transitioning mm -hmm. um, in my preferred name. And everything really wrote a letter to myself and just basically broke it down to me really me talking to me and um i told her i said i mean girl like not everybody's gonna think you're beautiful mm. um 
not everybody's going to get it. Mm -hmm. um, your mama may not come around. And you need to be okay with that. You know, they say that you may no longer have salvation. Are you okay with that? Mm. Um, I literally worked all that out within me and thought about all of it mm -hmm. and still said, I'm going to do it. And what's crazy is I didn't even tell my mom. That was, it was really weird. That's, it's just funny how God just kind of pulls everything out. And really, my mama always said, you can't never, now I'm starting to believe it. My mama is spiritually inclined. And she was like, whatever you're doing, it's going to come to me. So do. It, it's going to come. And now that I'm older and now that I'm also um, in my spiritual journey, I kind of really would think she's crazy or something. But now I'm kind of like, well, damn, like, you're fucking right. So anyway, I had started um, transitioning medically. And what happened was the doctor sent an email, because at the time I was still on my daddy's insurance. Mm -hmm. So they sent an a EOB, explanation of benefits, to the house. Again, remember I told you my mama is nosy. Even though that mail was addressed to me, it came to my mama's house. So guess what she did? She gonna open it up? She opened that motherfucking mail, period. So she opens the mail and she gets on, because, you know, they're not going to really say exactly it's going to be medical codes. It's going to be like, I think it's not going to spell it out. Mm -hmm. So she Googled the doctor and by, can't make this up. She Googled the doctor and then by process of elimination, she figured it out. So she calls me over. I was like, oh, like, just come by, come see me. Da, 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 da. Um, and what's crazy is, so I do have to be honest, so even at the time when I was full time, I still couldn't go to my mother's house presenting because A, she didn't know, and two, she wouldn't allow it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if I'm going over there, I would keep some clothes in the back seat because I would want to see my brothers. And that would be the only way that I could come and visit my family. Because she felt at the time that it was something that I just did to be cute, but not just that I was a woman, if that made sense. Because what, did she just think that you're just gay or whatever? Like I guess so. Like she, I don't even remember the words she put to it because she would never put those kind of words to it. It was mm -hmm. just like, you can't come up here like that. Mm -hmm. But if it was something that I couldn't take off, like if I had my nails done, I would just tell her, well, I already have my nails done. I could change, but can I still come? And she would tell me yes or no. Right? Interesting. Very. Um, because she said she had two boys to raise, and at the time, that wasn't going to influence them. You know what I'm saying? You followed me. Okay. Um, that was still in her house. I was not. Um, so I come over. I've changed. I think I'm being, you know, <laughs> normal, regular, regular, flying under the radar. She's not going to think nothing of it. Sit down. We're talking. Uh, we don't. She don't pour me like a drink. We're just sitting on the couch, chilling, <laughs> and then she just looks over at me <laughs> and she says the awful words that you know she said. Is there anything you want to tell me? And guess what I said? No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, ma'am. She reaches underneath. <laughs> A pillow, like she was already prepared. Now that I'm old, I'm like, like this really was a whole setup. It was a setup. She pulled out that paper 
Set it right down that couch. Didn't say nothing. I didn't say nothing. She just looked at me and started crying. Instantly. Mm. Just started crying. And then I instantly stopped crying. Mm. And she's just like, why would you do this? Like, why would you do this to our family? Um, why would you do this to me? Um, and um, can you imagine in that moment how somebody is basically telling you that your happiness and your existence is literally shattering them? And then it's like, what am I supposed to say to that? I can't apologize for being happy and I won't. Mm-hmm. I can't apologize for being who I am. So because I still love my mother, of course, it was so painful to me to see me cause her so much pain, mm-hmm. knowing that I can't do nothing about that because I'm not going to stop. It's not going anywhere. So naturally, the love in me wants to fix it. But this isn't something I can just fix. Yep. I can't just say, and then like, cause she, and then my mama knows that I love her. So it's like, she will try to guilt me. She's like, you know, Lily said, like, if you love me, you won't do this. Mm-hmm. As a faithful, loyal, loving child, like imagine the pain that is for me. Cause I'm sitting there like literally looking at my mother in pieces, holding her. She's crying. She's upset. And it's just like knowing that I caused that. And then not only that I caused that, my happiness and really just my existence caused that mm-hmm. was shattering for me. To me, that was the most shattering piece of it. Um, seeing how much pain me just being me caused her. Yeah. People don't think about that because, and especially like how you mentioned <laughs> the setup, because that was a straight up setup. And when they look at you like, y'all, if y'all don't have a black mama, that look, and when we lie out the skin of our teeth, mm-hmm. and they set us up with the proof, and it's like, oh shit, it's not running from this. No. And especially like how you say, when it comes to the fact that you love your parents, they love you, you bring them joy, they bring you joy, but this one thing that happens to be who you are is bringing them misery or pain is crazy because i mean that made me think about when i came out and stuff and like i remember my mama crying and shit you know and but my mom was crying and i think i talked about this on the show before but she cried because the fear of safety for me because when i had decided to come out it was like i think 10 uh like murders and uh gay bashings in detroit within like that two week time frame Mm. but i was just so ready just to be who i was Mm -hmm. and it's funny like me and you have like some very similar parallels because i wrote a note too like oh you did i did was it handwritten it was handwritten and it was to who i was going to be because I had made it, I'm like, you gonna come out, you gonna fuck these niggas in high school, fuck all that shit that you had to go through. You're gonna move to LA at 18, thank God I ended up waiting. But I waited like until I was 22, but it was a note to myself, you know, and I had to live up to that. I felt it was only important to. So when it came down to actually coming out, I got the same look from my mom. It was like, something you wanna tell me? 
and my mama be tapped in spiritually as fuck. So it's like she already knew, mm -hmm. you know, because it was like certain things that she would ask throughout the years, which she has now denied that she forgot asking. But when you know, uh, when that person's kind of infringing on your personhood, you remember those things. Those things don't just like go away. So I remember when she asked me when I was gay, when I was five, when I was eight, when I was 13. And each time I said no, you know, and she kind of just asked like, oh, Kenny, do you like other boys? And at the time growing up with older siblings, I remember seeing her in an uproar about, you know, boys not supposed to like boys. So me hearing that uh, with her having conversations with my brothers, mm -hmm. it was just like, I knew to say no. You know, and I feared the rejection. I feared the the dark, twisted way that things go with some of us, you know, in the queer community when we do come out. And I was just like, let me keep it real cute, you know, uh, until I am old enough until I'm legal. But that's crazy. Like, yeah, I got hit with the same questioning with the whole, you know, if what did I do type thing and I remember thinking to myself like I hate that I'm making my mom feel like this mm -hmm. but at the same time Miss Mamas this isn't about you <laughs> but I wanted to comfort her so much or whatever and it's just like I'm not changing it it ain't changing over here what needs you to change? change it's not it's not changing it um and it's like a lot of us if we had depending on like what we went through in our growing up and experiencing and stuff, like it's a lot of people that would tell you if they could change something that they would, but mm -hmm. you know, after a while you grew up to end up loving who you are and you don't regret any of that. So we got some similarities, you know, different experience, but very similar in ways, which is very interesting, I will say. Mm -hmm. Interesante. Um, but I mean, I feel like you're right. A lot of, I mean, you just can't, like for me, I don't believe that you can choose to be trans. I do believe that you can choose to transition, right? Which is what I did. Yeah. Um, but you don't necessarily choose to be trans, in my opinion. Um, but it was a thing, but I talked about my mother, but I do want to shout out my father because I feel like a lot of times the dads take the back seat in these conversations. When I hear them, a lot of times it's, my mom, my mom, mom. Yep. My daddy took it way better than my mother. Believe it or not. Oh, my too. Way better than my mother. Way better. My daddy was the first one out of the two to respect my pronouns. Um, he literally talked to me and he was like, It was crazy. He said, You're gonna be a woman, like be a good woman. <laughs> Have some class about yourself. Um, don't be, you know, this picture of what they paint trans people to be. Mm -hmm. Um, respect yourself. Um, he really just kind of poured into me. He never told me. And what's crazy is I feel like he took that news 10 times better than he took the news about me identifying as gay at the time, which is, which really shocked me because he didn't take that that great. But around my womanhood, he took that so much better. Um, I'm sure he had his moments and maybe he kept that away from me. And maybe he already knew that I was dealing with so much with my mom mm -hmm. that I'm just assuming, I don't know, that maybe he just didn't 
give me too much. Maybe he just kind of kept it between them two. But the way it appeared to me, yeah. um, he took it way better. Much, 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 much better than my mama did. Wow. Yeah. We look. Because my dad, you know, he and I call my daddy daddy too. So that's cute. Uh, my dad took it so much more smoother than my mom. <laughs> and a lot of times we we hear about daddies like beating on their kids and, you know, you ain't my son. You ain't this. You ain't, you know, you, you did to me, all this stuff or whatever like that. And I remember my dad beat me to the punch while I was up here beating around the bush with telling him who I was and who I've always been. And he was like, look, either way, you my son, uh, you my only son. I love you the same way that you have been your entire life. Like, since you've been born, I love you the same way and whatever. And I just remember, I was like, wait, that's it. Because my dad's a man of few words. But my mom is the one that's like the firecracker. So I kind of expected her reaction. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, my daddy, um, I love my I love my mama. Shout out to my mama, shout out to my daddy. <laughs> but I do wanna highlight that. And I remember just some of the I remember the, one of the things that I'll never forget is when I um this is like right around the time I first started transitioning um medically. Um this is after he knows and everything. One of the sweetest things he's ever done for me that I'll never forget. He normally brings my mother flowers. Um, my mama has like fresh flowers in our house every week. My daddy gives her flowers. Mm -hmm. So one day I'm sitting at home already with my mama on the couch and he walks in and he hands my mama some flowers and then he handed me some flowers. Oh. <laughs> and my mama even looked shocked. <laughs> she looked jealous. She was like, come on, keep on it. And he was like, well, I heard you was over here and I wanted to bring you some flowers as well. Y'all. It was the sweetest thing. That is the sweetest fucking It was the smallest thing. gesture, but I'll never forget it. And it was it was beautiful. And then I feel like also I feel like what he's also was doing in that moment, which he had already done, mm -hmm. he's setting a standard for me mm -hmm. for men, which he had already set based off how I looked how he treated my mother. Like I said, they've been married. 20 something years, 27, I think. She has fresh flowers every week. Mm -hmm. I've never seen my father spend a night outside of our household. Um, I've never, yes, they argue, but I've never heard my daddy call my mama bitches and hoes. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen him keep a job. I've seen him pay all the bills. My mama keeps her money. My daddy's like a man's man. Like he wants to do all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so indirectly, he's already been setting a tone. He didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, my daddy has set a standard for me. And not that you need to be my father, mm -hmm. but I feel like if you can't treat me the way my daddy treat me, then I don't really see the point because I know it's possible. Yep. Um, and um, of course, I don't need you to mimic that because I don't need another father because I have one. Yep. But those qualities and those principles and things that of what I believe um, a man should treat a woman mm -hmm. i've seen it work out and then on the other end i was able to study my mother and see how a woman you know functions within her household mm -hmm. with her man which was my daddy yeah 
I mean, she would tell me, you know, stuff about men and that. And what's crazy is she would she would say these things. And I think that she didn't realize that she was really teaching. I, like she would just be talking, mm-hmm. kind of maybe venting, like, you know, your daddy got a little bit of an ego. You know, I have to like say things and I have to let him think it was his idea. Mm-hmm. But really, it was my idea. And he thinks that he's doing what he wants to do. But he's really doing my will. <laughs> she didn't say it in those words, but she was basically st- I wasted what I would interpret and notice how a woman can use her feminine powers mm-hmm. um, within our household to get what she wants um, without being, you know, dominating, without emasculizing him mm-hmm. um, and things of that sort. Um, so it, it it was it was a learning experience. It was beautiful. And then um, I learned to really appreciate it because I think at the time I didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got older and realized and I would talk to people and they were like, oh, my parents are not married. Oh, my parents were married. Oh, my parents never were married. Oh, I've never had my daddy in my household. Um, so I'm really blessed in that regard. Um, and I really wanted to highlight that because, you know, they think that, you know, trans women come from broken homes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's because, you know, you didn't have the right father or no father around. And I had a very present father in the household. Um, And look at me now. So, I mean, it just really depends on on that sort of thing. This is so interesting because I'm learning this as you guys are listening to the show. But like I said, like we have very similar parallels because my mom did the same thing. Like my dad was very much the man's man he Mm -hmm. handled things he took care of business i never wanted for anything in my life and i also got him wrapped around my damn arm not even just my finger but like i'm a daddy's boy but i'm also a mama's boy too but it's just like he gave me the tools to like what it what it looked like to be a man Mm -hmm. in this world what it looked like to be a black man in this world not even just like my sexuality because he didn't really know at the time but he was laying those those bricks for who i was going to be at some point in my life Mm -hmm. and it's funny that you mentioned like how your mom was because i've now told my mom you know now this probably been a couple years ago but i told my mama too like miss girl did you not know that growing up you low-key was raising me to be like a good wife because you were venting and just talking out loud you know because i spent a lot of time in the kitchen with her and a lot of personal time with her Mm -hmm. and we spent a lot of time just like communicating and just like talking about our days and and our dreams and everything like that but in those times growing up as a little boy she would always be just talking out loud to me about kind of like you know and y'all this ain't no pick me shit but really just like the traditional old school way that we all know that our parents and grandparents grew up with but the traditional ways young girls you know they're gonna try to look we know how we may not do it but we know how generations before us how they did it so this was things that i was hearing from my mother out of her mouth directly to me about how to treat a man you know uh things to look out for you know with a man and stuff like that like tending to him and stuff and having like those powers you know, like, again, like those feminine powers of your own, but also being able to, you know, let a man be a man and stuff. And again, I was already, I had already knew that I was gay since I was like three, you know, I knew I liked boys then. 
when I was a little boy myself. So not hearing that, like that did dictate, you know, the way that I went with my sexuality. Because again, you can't choose your sexuality. Same thing, you can't choose your gender and identity, right? So her saying that, like, I was just soaking it in, like, you know, okay. now I know, like, yeah, you don't, you don't do this for a man. Make sure you do this for a man, stuff like that or whatever. Uh, cook at home, cook meals, my mom mm-hmm. cook from scratch, you know, yo man, yo daddy never walked. And I'm like, okay, but it was after I came out where I was like, ma, like, you know, low key, you was grooming you. Grooming me to be like a good wife. And I mean, it it it, it was something that I gravitated towards because it was something that I liked. So that was something that I held on to. And I don't even want to say a good wife. I feel like for your situation, it was that way because you were already yay. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you were heterosexual, I feel like what she was pouring into you, those same concepts. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times they're pretty much the same at its core. Yep. Um, but you would just flip it. Mm-hmm. So I think that we what we would say is, is that she was preparing you to be a really good spouse. That too. We're going to say that. Yeah, because baby... I told her, she was like, I didn't know that I was doing that. I'd just be talking. I'm like, well, I was listening. I mean, it, again, it was something that worked for me, something that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just, again, like laid even more bricks in the road of like what I want my relationship to be like when I do start dating and everything like that. Because a lot of, uh, a lot of the example that I picked up from, you know, what a man and like just, uh, really how to be treated properly came from my father as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have a lot of Shout out to your daddy. Shout out to your daddy, my daddy, and all the good dads and good moms yes. out here because we have to be, it's, it's a privilege to have that and um, something that, you know, I know you don't take advantage of and something I don't take advantage of or for granted either. So, wow. So when you did start getting to your womanhood and you said you medically transitioned what at 19 right mm-hmm. how did those hormones start taking like when did you start feeling aesthetically that you were starting to reach a certain point that you liked um i don't really know because i feel like it still has its days believe it or not like some days I may not feel my fish. Like, I might just be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not really feeling it today. And then there are other days where it's like, I'm feeling great. Um, so I would say, I mean, I feel like to answer the question to, so people can kind of get a frame, I would still feel like each girl is different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some girls might need to moan a little longer before they see results. Um, some girls may see them immediately. Um, so it just kind of depends on what you're doing, what's the, what method are you doing? Are you doing like actual medical hormones? You know, recently, well, not recently, in the past, a lot of the girls are doing black market moms. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I first told, when I first met a trans girl, she was trying to refer me to the booty lady to get the, um, yes, in Houston, it was a booty lady that was selling <laughs> hormone pills. I wasn't going to no damn booty lady to get no hormone pills, bitch. Look. So that was not for me. I was like, bitch, my daddy got insurance. Bitch, I'm going to the doctor. Okay. Um, but I would say for me, it took a few months for me to start noticing things. I feel like the first thing I noticed, and mm-hmm. girls different, what I noticed was my titties started to get like really tingly. Mm-hmm. 
like around my nipples and stuff like they would just get really sore and then I felt like these little like like little lumps almost like little nodges like they were kind of like right behind my nipple yeah um and then to me that was the first thing I noticed was like the tingling of the boobs mm -hmm. um and then the stuff honestly I feel like and I feel like a lot of people would agree a lot of the other stuff like in the face and things I didn't really notice a lot of other people noticed that's fair. You get what I'm saying? I would be like, I don't think they working. Yeah, because we get so used to seeing ourselves every day and like we can't, when our bodies are changing and we have like a goal, we can't really, and we doing the work, but it's like we can't really see the benefit of it yet, but it's other people that are able to actually see it. Mm -hmm. But I think because we see ourselves every day, we also just got our minds fixated on, I need to look like this right now or soon. So. Yeah, especially at that time, I wanted to be like the dog. Mm -hmm. So, like for me, I was like, I need things to like get it together. Like I needed to be right. Um, at the time, my image of beauty, thank God, has changed. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be like a like an Instagram stripper baggage, like waist here, titties there, hips there, hair long. Um, basically, like I'm about to walk sex island or something. Mm-hmm. Babbage. What they call it, a bimbo aesthetic? Um, oh, we're not going to say that. Don't they say that thing? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what we'll call it. But that was what I thought, you know, was what I needed, what it needed to give. But now that's changed for me. Mm -hmm. I don't really um, necessarily need to look that way to feel good about myself. But to, um, so I would say to answer your question, I noticed the first thing was the boobs, but a lot of other people was noticing other things um, at the times where I felt like it wasn't working. So, like, the face, body was given, skin was well, probably... It's been a thick bitch. Skin oh. always been right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like moans are only going to do so much. I mm -hmm. feel like, so I feel like um, not to, you know, but my canvas from the beginning was pretty soft. Um, Got you. My voice has always been the same. Mm -hmm. um, I used to work, um, my first job was KFC Taco Bell. And they used to always put my pretty ass on the drive-thru. Mm -hmm. um, and they would put, um, like, I'll be taking orders and people would always man me. They would always man me. Even when they got to the window. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, one girl told me that at the time, she thought that I was a girl trying to be a boy. I guess I could study it. Interesting. In so many words. Mm. Okay. I can see that. She's like, oh, I thought she was like a girl like dressed up as a boy. Mm. And I'm like, and then she asked me if I took birth control. And I was like, it's still me young at the time. What the fuck I'm taking birth control for? I didn't know that birth some control. girls would use. I didn't know that at the time. But I'm thinking, what the fuck I'm taking birth control for? And I was like, no, I'm not taking the birth control. I thought she was trying it. Well, maybe she was. Maybe, but kind of like she was wondering, like, what the hell are you doing? Because cause I've heard that, like, some of the girls who don't have access to moms, like, they start off taking, like, birth control just to get that introduction of the estrogen and everything, uh, just, like, multiplying in your own body mm -hmm. and just, like, touching on the estrogen that you already do have. Because mm -hmm. for y'all that don't know human biology, y'all, we do have both testosterone and estrogen in our bodies so just always different ones but i've heard that before yeah i just feel like my structure was different i've always been thick you know on the thighs always had ass 
even with working out, like, I remember I would look at the dudes and be like, we doing the same workouts, but my chest don't look like that. Mm. Like, my chest never looked like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, even though we were doing the same things, like, I feel like my body never formed that way. Interesting. Um, Just me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, And they used to tease me <laughs> for it. Um, mm. Mm, but I think they was really living at the time. But... It was the days. What was the days? Football? You were... Uh, Locker room? The locker room. The locker room was fun. The locker room was The locker room was fun. A lot of shenanigans, you know, because I know for me, like, I always had, like, a fat butt and, like, thick thighs and shit. And, like, niggas will always make comments about that as soon as I was, like, in eighth grade and going up. And straight boys used to do the gayest shit. And he used to really go down in the locker room. That's what I be saying, like, because these, you be seeing these girls on Instagram and how they be talking about how they think everything is gay. And it's like, if y'all feel like that, I would hate for y'all to be a fly on the wall in the locker room. Listen. You bitches will be on the floor, throwing up. Sick. Mm. But it's fine. Um, You know, I feel like, I'm going to even call it gay. I would say they will call it gay. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, men just having fun with men, because I feel like women do the exact same thing, but they just have the you know, the freedom to be able to grab each other's titties. Like, my friend can walk up to me and pull my nipple out and nobody think about it. You know what I'm saying? She could slap me on my ass. Like, if a nigga walks over and pull your dick out, it would seem weird to some people because that's not really normal for, you you know, for straight men to be able to do. So, I mean, I, you know, I'll give them some grace. Maybe they wasn't gay. Maybe they was just, you know, enjoying each other. People experiment and stuff because I definitely had dicks whipped out on me, hit, hit with dicks, slapped. All that they used to compare them like who was the biggest lord have mercy when i tell you that did you ever win um i never stayed around because that would stress me to fuck out because again i knew that i was actually gay okay i wasn't just doing this little monkey business and playing around and shit for shits and giggles because they was doing that shit and it would stress me out and i would run into the stall and cry mm-hmm. because because i was so horny mm-hmm. and i couldn't do anything about it that was stressing me out. I remember I ran home crying before. It was a lot. It was good a lot. days. Good days. It was cute. It was cute. A little mischievous shit. But I mean, it took a minute. And I think, uh, like you say, like when you have body, you're easily sexualized. And when you're coming into yourself and you're starting to dress a certain way, you start to see how like things like fill out, like how clothes fit on you, how they drape on you and shit like that or whatever. So it's pretty cool to keep growing up and like learning how your body, you know, is morphing at that time. Cause when we're going through puberty, like, I mean, that's different. And it's funny because like, I always hear a lot of like my trans friends when they say that you go through a second puberty, mm-hmm. you know? So hearing you talk about starting off from 19, and then you said that you started feeling like the that estrogen was collecting. That's what the knots was in your titties. Like, so it's it's cool to hear that because I kind of look at it as like the transformation, like the before and after. Like it's usually like very beautiful and mm-hmm. a stark difference for the most part for for some people, I guess. I used to be so happy. Imagine me just laying on the couch, massaging my boobs, like. She really ain't even got no damn titties with massaging my boobs, thinking like I really got bags. 
mm-hmm. wiggling my toes, just thinking I'm just the fish, because I was. But um, for me, it always was a spiritual and mental thing for me. Um, so even in those moments, I was able to find joy, even though I wanted more. Mm-hmm. Like, I still felt like, bitch, you look good. Um, and that confidence, I feel like I was the most confident I've ever been um, in my womanhood. And I think that that makes sense. And even my friends noticed. They were like, like this person, mm-hmm. this was not that. And we like this, um, which was nice to hear. They like People tell me I look nicer to be around. Um, I'm more fun to be around than I was before. Um, I seem more confident. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll speak to people. Um, and I think that's because I'm more, you know, just in line with myself, um, physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, so I feel like that's always really important as well. Like when you are transitioning, work on your confidence because mm-hmm. your confidence will get you clocked. And if you don't know what clocked is. Right. Tell us about what clock means. Uh, well, you should know it comes from Barbara. Well, I, I, I know, you know, but I mean. Like, clock is when like people are able to, I would say, clock you for being a trans man, clock you for being um, a trans woman, basically for not being cis, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, and, you know, passability or passing is not everybody's goal. Like, some people don't care. Hmm. Word. Okay. Yeah, but I just got to say that again. I don't agree. Mm-hmm. But I feel like everybody has their um their thing, and if that's what you choose to do, fine. Um, but for me, it was very important. Um, just for myself, um, for safety. Um, even though I feel like pass passing also has its um dangers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me. Passing was like the ultimate goal. To me, that was like the rite of passage. Like for me to be able to walk by, be able, for me to be able to go and do the things, mm-hmm. um, for girls to come up to me and ask me for a tampon. Why? Baby, I would be sitting there like, mm. but um, it, I know that sounds petty and small, but for me, it was small things. Mm-hmm. And it would just be like, yes, ma'am. Um, but so what was my thought what what was i saying baby so you were talking about what it's like with passing and everything yes so you um it's it's important for some people um for me it was easy i would say um i'm blessed for that i'm thankful for it Mm -hmm. um but not everybody has it um which is all fair. I mean, because like, would you say that pretty privilege is a real thing? Of course, I would. Yes, I would say pretty privilege is definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects different people in different ways. Um, I guess I've heard people say that I have pretty privilege. Um, um, but that's I- what is a given. I feel like it depends on what environment you're in mm-hmm. to see if you even really benefit from that. But I guess, you know, I do. I've been able to go and do things and maneuver and, you know, be in spaces and not be a problem. Um, like when I first started, 
um, my medical transition, one of my first jobs was a waitress. Okay. So, um, and I didn't even have my paperwork done. I didn't even have my name changed or nothing. I went through the whole interview process mm-hmm. and I used to gag girls. Like I would put my preferred name on the application. Mm-hmm. And then once I got the job, when it came to come and do the, what's that, the, like the, the, the tax paperwork, yeah. you have to bring the two forms ID. Mm-hmm. I would tell them then. I wouldn't even really tell them. I would just fill it out mm-hmm. and give them the um, the two forms ID. Because okay. that was also my way of, I feel like, securing my job. Because it's like, now, if all of a sudden I don't have a job, you're going to have to explain why. Yeah. Versus you being able to um, discriminate from the door. Mm-hmm. And I would just make sure if they were doing, like, any kind of background checks, if they send me links for that, I would make sure that I put the correct information on that. So you can't say, like, I falsify anything either. Um, but, yeah. Because how important would you say it is to get everything done just on the back end that people don't really talk about, like getting a name change, getting your documents switched over? Like, when did you start doing that? I know it happened. I know I got the call that it was done again on my birthday. And I almost had made a point about my birthday. My birthday is very special. A lot of amazing things happened to me around my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had set a goal to get on hormones, the doctor had told me that that was not going to be possible due to the point of them being um, booked out and mm-hmm. things of that sort. You had to have a certain amount of appointments and things of that sort, but I was calling them people saying that they had any cancellations, this or that. I was able to take my first hormone pill on my birthday. And then I ended up getting the call that my name change had went through on my birthday a lot of things happen around my birthday but the first time i tried to do my name change i tried to do it myself mm-hmm. i drafted the petition i did everything and when i tell you this racist white motherfucker embarrassed me oh. embarrassed me um first of all like normally they would call people in the order of you know that you would get there mm-hmm. um he made me wait until the absolute last Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was calling everybody before me by the docket number, but he made sure Petty. when he got to me, he called me by my first and last name. Mm-hmm. So I had to get up, <laughs> sashay my cute ass up there mm-hmm. in front of these people. Meanwhile, it's attorneys in there for other people. It's people in there and like maybe state my name. Right. Then to tell me that he would allow me to change my name, Mm -hmm. but he wouldn't allow me to change my gender marker. And for a second, I almost did it because it was like right up to the point where like I had to put my hand up and like do like this little thing. Mm -hmm. And then I put it down because something was like, no, bitch. What the fuck that like it, that defeats the purpose? Like why yeah, you know. would I want to change my name and then still have that? And I don't want that. Cause then I would have to go get paperwork to switch that name mm-hmm. to a different gender. And I don't want that ever attached to my name. Got you. So I told him fuck him. Mm-hmm. And I ended up leaving with nothing. And then I reached out to this um this nonprofit at the time. If it's still going on, 
um, it was called Make It Official okay. campaign. And they assisted um, people with getting their name and gender market change and also other legal services. Mm-hmm. And like people donate to it. Um, so I was I, like that. I was able to get help um, and they assisted me. And then also she assisted me get some cases expunged that I had. Um, <laughs> but which was nice because I was able to drop that petition myself. Um, she said that she couldn't help me um, as far as going to court, but she could send me the template and I could put in the information. So I put in the information. I went, represented myself, got that done. And then after that, then we did the name change. Oh, okay. Because like, how much does that usually cost to get all that stuff done? It's like $500. It can cost a lot, but what people don't know, you can just say you can't afford it. Like, um, I couldn't afford it at the time. There was no falsifying of anything. I could not afford it at the time. So if you are somebody that cannot afford and you cannot afford to do these things, you just have to tell the court that because there usually is a filing fee. I told them I couldn't afford it. And then they gave me a paper mm-hmm. that I filled out and then they waived the filing fee. Well, damn. So I pretty much got it done for free. In, in Texas, mm-hmm. that's good. Because you hear about stuff like that. I mean, with California. New York. And New York, yeah, like these democratic grand states, like we have so many different programs, organizations, and nonprofits that mm-hmm. benefit us. And it's just like for that to be Texas, I mean shit, like that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. Damn. Oh but shit. Yeah, it was cute. Oh. So um, but to answer your question, I do think that that's important. For me, mm-hmm. it was important. Again, safety, um, just not being embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um Having to, you know, I mean, try to apply for jobs and, you know, just mm-mm. that's just a lot to deal with. That's a lot to deal with every time you. Yes, yeah, all the red tape, all the logistics, it's like unnecessary. And I mean, even like when you were talking about just with the name change and the gender marker change and everything, and just like you come to see a womanhood and being able to step into certain places and having like that particular privilege like what has that been like when you do step into those places that's usually like those cishet you know environments bars game nights you know how the the list goes on right but what is that like when you're around these like these dudes like for me it was an adjustment Mm -hmm. um because in my previous state i didn't really date Mm-hmm. Um, because at the time, even though now that I look back at those pictures, I don't really feel like I was fat. But at the time, I would say I was fat and thin, mm-hmm. which you know at that time was like the two cardinal sins. Okay, because y'all motherfuckers love to say no fat, no fins. Okay, um, so I don't feel like, and then at the time, like I told you, like, I didn't, I didn't feel like a lot of gay men checked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wasn't like desired like i wasn't like one of the people that you know the voice is breaking down the door to come see that yeah. wasn't me mm-hmm. um so i didn't really have much experience around dating right mm-hmm. so really all of my dating has been as a woman right gotcha um so it took some adjustments because a now for the most part i'm being courted by straight men mm-hmm. 
and it took some time getting used to maneuvering around them. I wasn't used to a man looking at me the way that he looked at me or the way they look at me. I feel you. Like the things that men do when they find you attractive, like how they touch you, mm -hmm. um, how they want to do this or how they want to do that. And sometimes that whole energy exchange would make me very nervous. Mm -hmm. um, a, because I'm in the beginning of my transition. So it's like, if I'm in this bar, like I don't want him to look at me and like clock me. And then now I'm in like this situation. Mm -hmm. um, so in the beginning, that was like a thing for me, but then that never happened. Um, so it took some time just maneuvering around it. And then now we have to have the conversation. Right, the conversation. The disclosure. Wasn't that the word of the day? Disclosure, yo. So now we're going to get to the disclosure. Um, to be clear, um, there's no thing saying that trans women must disclose, right? I disclose. That's what Monet does. Um, I believe in disclosing um, for multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and not even really just for the obvious, which would be the safety. Um, now where I'm at in my transition, in my womanhood, it turns me on to know that a man wants me and he really wants me. I don't want to feel like I have access to somebody because I'm not truly being my authentic self. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I want you to desire me fully with all of the information. Mm -hmm. Um. So now we have to disclose. I'm not going to lie. As much as I do it, I hate it. I hate, hate, hate disclosing. I absolutely hate it. Sometimes I wish they would just know. See, but if you up there, again, looking like fish and, and, and your full fish energy, I mean, listen. But it's annoying. It just gets annoying. It just gets like so annoying. It's like the same redundant conversation. It's the same redundant um, questions. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I used to have like a um a note and I would just copy and paste it. Oh, so, okay. So for, and for you, you do it through text. Just again. I mean, in most of the ways, I told niggas to their face. I told like, if I'm drunk and like I'm kind of beauty feeling my fish and I just kind of want to play in it a little bit, I've um like when a nigga don't like leaned in to like talk to me and ask me before I give him my number, I've told him in his face, looked him in his eyes and told him in his face. So okay, so you do it. It doesn't matter like what time. It just depends on your mood and how I'm feeling and if I feel, you know, that it's okay to do that. And I'm not trying to tell people to run out and do that, but I've done it. You know what I mean? And. I have a negative experience and wrong a violent experience got you um like i've never really had a man get aggressive with mm -hmm. me behind that um not to say that they all were um okay with that but it was never like a like bitch fuck you if i see you again i'm gonna kill you like nothing like that mm -hmm. for me it was just more so be like you know even they were still confident like well i think you're really pretty um, but you know, I'm not really into that or, mm -hmm. or this or that, or maybe just sometimes no response. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't really had, I feel like a violent thing around it. 
Yeah. But it's annoying to me because I feel like the whole conversation around disclosure, I feel like it takes the power away from me. Really? And I do. I feel like most of the time when um, cis women are dating, at least I would assume, and from what um, I think around what I know, um, you know, you're able to control that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when I have that conversation, now it's one of those things where like now as the man, you're able to now tell me if you want to deal with me. That makes sense. And I feel like that it's like a power exchange where now I feel like I was in control. Now I kind of passing that over to you because now I have to tell you something. And then from there, you have to decide if I have access to you or not. That makes a lot of sense how you broke that down. And I can see exactly what that exchange must be like because now you're waiting for, like, you don't have all the power from this dude chasing you. Exactly. And now you chasing him in a way or waiting for him to respond mm-hmm. or what his reaction's going to be. And it's like, nigga, it kind of, it just, it's two opposites from both ends. And I can see, like, how that could be very frustrating. Because you literally do have to hand over some of your power for that to be a thing. For it to happen, you literally have to. I feel like there's probably ways around it in some situations. But ultimately, that's kind of what's happening, if you really think about it. Mm -hmm. And it's not a good feeling. I don't like it. I like to be in control. So, like, if you... Because, I mean, even, like, when we had went out and stuff like that, like... Is it dudes picking up on you, like, when you out, like, are niggas sliding your DMs online, like? Mm-mm. My Instagram DMs are not popping. They like, try? They are trying. Sliding my DMs. So mm-hmm. you get most of your play, like, from in, in person. person. Absolutely. In person. Niggas don't really get in my DMs. Most of the people that follow me are gay men. Support me, like my pictures, share, retweet. The, um, the men in my DM are gay men sending me hearts. Hard eyes, kissy faces, things like that. But the men's men's, the men's is, mm-hmm. they're not in them. So, I meet them in person. And I think for a long time, my page was private. Anybody mm-hmm. that knows me, my page has only really been public for the past like year. Mm-hmm. The whole time I've been on Instagram, I was a very like private, ducked off. So you couldn't really sign into my DM anyway. Got you. So. Yeah, so the people that I meet, um, I meet them in person. See, and that's the funny thing, because, like, most of my girlfriends and stuff, and even, like, some of the dudes, like, we always say that we want to meet somebody, like, out at the grocery store. We want to meet them in church. We want to meet them at some type of gathering in, like, more of a traditional way versus the internet. So that's funny that your experience is the complete opposite. Like, you're actually meeting dudes in real life. In person. Oh, shit. Damn. How did he come up to you? <laughs> Which ones? It depends on who it is. If it's like, okay, so we got, okay, so say, for example, like the fuck nigga versus like the dude that's trying to like come at you on some real shit, like respectful, maybe trying to actually be intentional and get to know you for real, for real. Like, what's those differences? What those look like for you? Well, I mean, they normally start off by asking my name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually followed by a compliment. Um, it's really kind of 
you know how the Houston dudes are, right? So it really isn't a lot of chit chat. It's kind of straight to the point, like, oh, like they may ask me, am I single? Um, I wear a ring on my uh, wedding finger. So some men will notice that and they'll ask me. They'll be like, oh, are you married? And I'll, you know, say no. Um, ask me for my number. Ask me if we can go to drinks. What am I doing right now? Um, just kind of just depends. Um, the fuck niggas, you fine. They cat calling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pumping my gas, but you ain't came over here to pump it. You ain't came over here to zoo. And none of that. You ain't did. So it just kind of depends. I don't really pay them no more. I always try to leave a man with his dignity, mm-hmm. even if I'm not interested. Like, I'm not the type of woman to really just like, unless you just be like full-fledged, disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to leave a man with his dignity because I feel like it takes a lot for men to walk up on beautiful women um, and put themselves out there. So I don't never just want to, I like to be gracious mm-hmm. um, and be nice and be sweet, but I can be firm on a no. <laughs> But, you know, I don't, I try not to do too much. I like that. It gives balance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, I mean, it does take a lot for somebody to approach someone. Because I think we talked about it the other night, like, dating in L.A. or, like, even, like, courting in L.A. versus what I've seen in Houston is completely different. And men be having rejection issues. They be afraid. So they'll stare at you all night and then not say shit until they see you on Instagram or something like that based off somebody they saw you with. And then they'll like about three to 12 of your pictures or whatever and still don't say shit. And for me, I'm very direct. So like if I'm interested, if or at least if I'm attracted to them, I'll be like, what's up? You know, but... I think versus with Houston, they're very straight to the point, which I've been enjoying that part because we just cut the fat and we can get to the point like you trying to be on some fuck shit or you really trying to get to know me for real, for real and be intentional with me. So. But that's where the ball gets dropped is the intention. So after we go from the disclosure, Mm -hmm. right? Word of the day, disclosure. So after I disclose what I hate about it so much, it's like I can barely sense the energy shift. Mm-hmm. At least for me, um, it goes from sometimes, most times, I feel like it goes from you trying to court me to now it's like, what you doing? Where you at? Let me come over. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of goes a little bit more sexual, right? Um, let's date, date, get to know you more Netflix and chill sort of thing um, because of how trans women are sexualized mm-hmm. um, and how men I'm not going to, because I'm going to speak for all because it might be some bitches that will grow. That's how they treat you. That's not how they do me. So what I'll say is like for me, mm-hmm. it's more of like they want to fuck now. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're asking all kinds of questions. Um, they want to do all kinds of things. Um, and it's just kind of be like, again, here we go. Like, can we at least go on a date before your dick gets hard? Like, do we have to just go straight there? Um, but that's because they don't really, in my experience, and one time a man straight up told me, like, he was like, you know, I really like you. Mm-hmm. I really like you. 
But I have to be honest with myself. Like when I see you, not to say that you don't have white qualities, but with you being a trans woman, I don't see you as my wife. Okay. You know what I mean? They see trans women as an experience. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They want to come up to heaven and experience us. And then they want to leave our house and go back down and just be normal beings and go live their normal lives. Um, but as far as like taking you to mom and them, mm -hmm. you know, my boys knowing, that's where it gets a little tricky. Um, mm -hmm. Even though I've met friends of dudes, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But it was by accident. And then luckily, you know, I am who I am. So it was really like no issue. Like, oh, your date's really pretty. Mm -hmm. Look at kiss and cheek. Nice to meet you. Kind of keep going. Yeah. Um, but it just, because of that, it doesn't really, um, for me, the intent from the man isn't what I need the intensity to be with me. Because what would you say, like, if we were to put, I guess, like, if we were to kind of, like, put on a scale as far as, like, your success rate versus uh, the opposite, right? When it comes to, like, somebody being able to get the full disclosure, right? And then to say like, oh, okay, like I actually want to go forward with her now that I know who she is and how she shows up versus the ones that may sway over to the end, like you said, started off, you know, sweet and cute, but then shifts all the way over to, oh, I just want to fuck mode. I feel like they all want to fuck, but I feel like some of them are more patient than others. That's fair. And I feel like also because of the energy that I give give off is a man is studying me and he's in tune with me. Mm -hmm. A man knows what will work with me and what won't. So I feel like they'll know, okay, this one, I'm going to have to take out a little bit. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? But it's still to get to that point of fucking. Like how would you measure those with the guys who approach you in a serious intentional way and getting the full disclosure to actually still wanting to pursue you versus the ones that got the disclosure and now they're acting brand new and just wanting to be in that i just want to fuck them up to be honest kenya i feel like it's most of them for a long time i used to think that i had like a sex spirits on me <laughs> i used to really feel like that <laughs> and actually i feel like a lot of trans women have like a sex spirit on them um i feel like it just kind of comes like the reason why so many girls are in sex work why we're so sexualized mm -hmm. the way the girls really can sell it um but to it like i said before they know mm -hmm. for me i'm gonna have to do a little something with this one but it's still to the point to fuck me. Um, and maybe not fuck me and just be done with me. No, like that's not the case. But like try to make me his girlfriend. No, I've had some men that I fucked with for a minute. They really fuck with me. And we would go do things together. It would almost to me turn off into more of like a friends with benefits thing. But if I needed something, I could call them. Mm -hmm. If I needed help, if I needed some money, if I needed help with like a tire or something like that. When it comes to finances or things like that, they want to lead with those sort of things. Oh, like, oh, is it something I could do for you? Is that something that you want? You know what I mean? They want to give you more, at least they want to give me more of those things mm -hmm. and less of like, commitment. you know, monogamy and things of that sort and so, commitment. 
So you pretty much just named off the struggle that all the girls are having with these niggas. Cause... What you're starting to realize? Because I used to make it a trans thing. And then when I would talk to my homegirls about it, should we go through the same thing? Like It's a them thing. I deal with that all the time. So it's like, it's not because you're trans. Mm-hmm. Because when you do have like those dudes that again get that disclosure and i remember you mentioned a little bit earlier that they start you know talking about this this and this like do they usually have a history with trans women or like are you usually like the first we're always the first mm-hmm. we're the first i've never met but then with the stuff that you texted me this like baby you You've been watching them porn, and you know you. Um, you, you, it, any man is gonna say, "Oh, you're the first, you're the only." It's like okay, they do like this. Sometimes it's true, mm-hmm. but most of the time it ain't. Because with the ones, so say for example, if you were dealing with somebody who you were the first, right? What kind of questions or like what are they saying to you? Should- How big is it? Really? How big is it? Um, this and that, like they, a lot of these men are like, I call them dick amorous. Like mm-hmm. they just have like this infatuation, and like that is one. First of all, that's one thing that would turn me off. Mm-hmm. Like if a man was to ever reference and even use the word dick. Mm-hmm. To me, instant turn off. Wow. But yeah, they ask questions like that. Um, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? You know, gobble me, swallow me, trip <laughs> down inside of me, you know, out of that. Damn. So that's the first thing they usually ask. Not the first, no. I'm being dramatic. But what I'm saying is when you're asking some of the questions, that's mm-hmm. usually what they ask, or they might say it in a different way. They're like, you know, if the ones that are a little educated, because there are some educated black men out there, mm-hmm. let me just ask you if you're pre-op, post-op. You know, some people are now using those terminologies. Um, so I will give credit where credit's due. Some of the men are doing better. Mm-hmm. Um, but then some will just straight up ask you. And they won't detail. And what's usually your reaction? Like, how do you take that when they go to that side of things? Just wrong knees. Like here we go. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. It just makes me want to send them a cash app request. Like if I'm be doing all this, this is borderline phone sex to gas me. So you might as well just go ahead and um run me that. Listen, because I already see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, or I mean, they have some red. I know that's right. Or I'll just say the most off the wall thing. Like I'll say, oh, I don't have one. Or I'll say it's bigger than yours. Like it just kind of depends on how I'm feeling. Like I might try to say something so I give them shock value mm-hmm. since you're fucking with me. Now I'm about to fuck with you. You know what I mean? Since you're asking me stupid shit, I'm going to just give you stupid ass answers. Okay. Um. So it just kind of depends on how I'm feeling in the mm-hmm. moment. Because then it's like, or I just completely stop and just disengage mm-hmm. altogether. So you mentioned black men. So would you say that you only date black men? Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought it was a heavy opinion. I love black men. Me too. Mm-hmm. No shade to anybody else, but baby, I'm totally. I love me a black man, baby. 
Cause what's your type? Tall. Like tall and skinny, tall and tall and big. I like a basketball build. Got you. So you just like my best friend. She like that tall, like like kind of lean. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like football builds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but my preferred is like a tall, kind of lean, not too. You know what I mean? Um, clean cut. Mm-hmm. Like fades. Mm-hmm. Um, I like brown skin, dark skin men. Shout out to my light skin men. Love them too. I love all black men, pretty much. Okay, me too. And I don't need you to be overly beautiful. I don't like. I like beautiful men, mm-hmm. but I kind of like more like rugged looking men, or maybe even a man that I feel like somebody else wouldn't even think is like hot. And then I'll be looking at him like, "Bitch, you find me." Because it's something about the way he is carrying himself. It's something about the way he's sitting with his legs open like that. Mm-hmm. It's just something. Like, so, for me, it'd be small things. Yeah, because I know for me, I don't know, like, the personality, obviously, like, the physicality of it steps out. Because with me, when I'm out here dating and stuff, like, all my dudes look completely different. Mm-hmm. But I did learn early this year that I have a personality type. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, the personality type tends to be similar to, uh, to like how me and like my dad are like mm-hmm. laid back, chill dudes. It's like out the way. Like I don't like all the extra rah rah type of dudes. Mm-hmm. They're good for fun, but as far as like dating, I don't really tend to go for that type of person when it comes to taking them seriously, cause. I like a chill dude. Like, I don't like all that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I want my nigga to stay at home. I want him to be like, yeah, like, I'm going to lay in bed and wait for you to come back. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I want. So you like a dude that's like, off to the side. Chill. Chill. If y'all go out. No TikTok video ass nigga. Okay. Um. <laughs> you don't want him doing no dances? No. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna judge. Of course, it's not gonna be a deal breaker, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be preferred either. And I would help him if it really was his passion. Mm-hmm. I would help him do it, but just ideally, no. But and I like spiritual men. I like men that I can learn from. Yeah. Um, I like emotionally balanced men. Um, that can communicate their emotions to me. Um, so good communication skills are sexy. Mm. Um. That emotional maturity. You know, the people say I like hotel men. Mm-hmm. They said I love me a hotel man. Wait, hold up. Mm-hmm. Are there a lot of hotels here in Houston? Yeah. <laughs> there are. So the... I like me an African man too. Me too. Because Houston got like a lot of Nigerians, right? Well, definitely. Yeah. Houston has like Women. a lot of African men. Because you still also, from what I learned, because my sister, she was like, you should be able to find your husband in Houston. He says that. That's what she told me like a couple of days ago. She was like, you she, you there for five days. You should be able to find him. I'm like, girl, hold on. We're going to see. But I learned that Houston, I knew this before, but Houston has a lot of like black, educated, well-rounded men. So would you say like those are the ones that usually gravitate towards you or like do you pick up a bit of everything i pick up a bit of everything i'm not gonna lie so yeah so 
it, it, it just kind of just depends. But honestly, I mean, I'm not even on, I'm kind of turned off with men. Why? I'm not jaded or anything like that. But I'm just taking some time to focus on me. I feel like these are very crucial years. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like I just want to, because I know the way that I'm going to love, I think I'm going to be pouring a lot into my partner. Yeah. Um, when I can take that energy and pour it into myself. And I feel like once I get myself into a place where I want to be, um, I'm giving what I fully want to give. I'm in the spaces that now I've worked to be into. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's when I'm going to meet my man. Um, yeah. I could meet one now, um, but I'm not really. If it comes, my vessel is open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to do not do this thing where like I spiritually shut it off uh, because then I won't find it. You know what I'm saying? That's true. So I do try to keep my vessel open to receive love um, from a man. Mm-hmm. Um, but however, I'm not really searching for it. But are you open to it if it happens to come knocking on your door? I would think so. I hope so. I want to say I am. Because like, Art, would you say that you are available or are you kind of just like, again, you're doing you or whatever? Because like a lot of people, we get so caught up in our own lives and for the betterment, obviously, and not even just for selfish reasons, but we tend to be unavailable and we happen to meet somebody at the grocery store out at some picnic or day party and they cool, but we just not in that space to really nurture that relationship or what could be a relationship mm-hmm. versus the ones where we're multitasking, doing our own thing but also very much open and receptive to a potential partner and being able to see like, oh, okay, like, I like what they're doing. Like, they seem to be pretty solid. Like, I can adjust to being open to getting to know them further and building possibly. I mean, would you say like that you're there or like more on the unavailable side, just doing you in an unselfish way, of course? I would say it's a combination of both. Like, I feel like I'm doing me, but I feel like with the, with the foresight, I feel like I've been blessed with. Mm -hmm. I feel like if a good man was in my face, if a good man and I had somebody that was matching energy, I feel like I'm in tune enough to recognize it. And I think that when I recognize it, I would know what to do once that's happening. So it's like, yes and no. Like, I'm not blind mm-hmm. um, emotionally. So if there was a good man in front of me, I feel like I would know. Because, like, you're pretty spiritual. And I know you mentioned that a couple times throughout throughout the episode. So with that intuition, would you say that that was always there? Or was it a combination of just the added extra womanhood and the feminine energy amplifying the intuitiveness? Definitely. I feel like me um, walking... Um, in my divine purpose, mm-hmm. um, which is what I believe my experience is. Um, I think it's a blessing to be trans. Um, and honestly, if you look back into history, um, a lot of trans people, what we would call trans, um, were spiritual people. Yep. Um, they were oracles. <laughs> um, they were deemed in you know society and tribes to be close to God. Yep. Um, so I feel that that definitely amplified it. And I feel like once I started living and walking 
and my divine purpose it's like the messages just started coming and like it would almost sometimes be scary the way that God would speak to me or the way universe would kind of send me a sign like I would think it and then it's like within a few minutes somewhere in the house I see the answer because something flashed across the TV mm -hmm. um something just popped up on my phone um I see the signs and small things um so I feel like spirituality for me and my transition has been everything it's really been the deepest part um for me um would be the spiritual aspect of my transition it's been the most special mm -hmm. um and I think that that was the foundation that made everything else blossom to be so beautiful around it um but even now that I'm in my spirituality it's crazy how you know we didn't even realize at the time that when you wrote your letter and I wrote my letter mm -hmm. you know that was manifesting you know you, you don't you, look at it like that until it's after the fact and that's beautiful no that's core um that's the first key to bringing it into physical realm mm -hmm. like writing my name out on that paper in my handwriting mm -hmm. speaking to myself like that's how you manifesting that's the for just putting it on paper you've already manifested and put it into this realm so even then just looking back it's like the small things that i was doing didn't even realize what i was doing but i basically manifested myself i felt like even with just that initial letter to myself like i say we got a lot of damn things in common with because yeah we don't look at that and especially being two spiritual beings like we are just doing things just like off of habit mm -hmm. that comes natural to us but it takes the time to really think back sometimes like we have to you know take a step back and be like oh shit like i was manifesting at that time or even when i'm praying i'm manifesting like that's a that's a, a form of manifestation depending on who we believe in and everything like that or who we follow and stuff with prayer is manifesting you know and we're actually putting forth the effort to put that into place into motion mm -hmm. it just becomes beautiful you know so that that was something that i want to touch on because i know you know again my newest know that i'm very much into spirituality but also learning that aspect of you as well Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Spirituality is everything. Spirit is everything. God is everything. God is real. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I've done. And it's just like, nobody can't tell me that God is real. Like when I think about all the things that like, of course, that sounds like a little church sermon, but all the things I've been through. Listen. Um, But it's just like, to me, it's just evident. Like I see God when I look at myself. Mm -hmm. um, I see God when I see my family. Uh, when I see love, um, when I see children, um, God is literally everywhere, um, in the plants, um, in the sky, yep. um, in the moon, in the sun, God is literally everywhere. There's so much beauty around us. Like I just feel like people's vessels just aren't open to see it. A lot of people are walking and they have sight, but they don't have vision. Speak of it. And I feel like you just have to remove some of those blinders off your eyes. And I feel like when you do, like, you'll see it. Like, God's everywhere in all things. I completely agree. I'll say that to everybody. Whenever we start getting into, like, that deep conversation, especially when it comes to spirituality, I believe in the same thing. I break it down. Like, it's God is literally everything. Everything. You know, God is the universe. Like, we are all parts of 
of God, you know, so, and I also like, which I want to point out, I like that you say vessel versus body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see real deep. See, I see why you'd be attracted to hotel niggas. <laughs> Not the hotel niggas. Because that's some shit. Don't talk to the hotel niggas. I'm just joking. No, yeah. I'm just playing. I'm just saying. Look. But I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it's it's a vessel. Mm-hmm. And it's all about protecting your vessel too, and being very like, I guess, particular with your actual vessel like physically and not just even the mental part but just being out here in this world with these dudes who you fucking you have to be very careful a lot of soul ties Mm -hmm. who you allow in your bed who you know you allow into your temple Mm -hmm. um that's very sacred i take all of that very seriously like i'm just not letting any man into me Mm -hmm. um that's why I don't believe in like a lot of raw sex. Like, like I don't like a lot of come play and things of that sort. Letting men like nutting me and things of that sort. I feel like all of that is spiritual. You're wondering why you can't get over this man and why the fuck you always thinking about him because you are literally ingesting and taking his essence into yourself. Mm-hmm. I call it a, fa- a form of like male voodoo to be letting men like nutting you and do all that. You need to be very careful doing that sort of thing. I done been, look, I know some juju, okay? And I feel that I've had some damn juju put on my ass just through sex magic. Okay? I definitely. Listen, <laughs> fucked up about it. Say some affirmations as the next time you come. See if they come to fruition. Yeah, you can challenge that. Um, you can harvest that energy. That's the energy exchange. Um, think about some positive things or even say them really out your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, when you climax... Um, and sometimes you can do it in front of a mirror, too. Um, if you're doing this by yourself, this is going to be like a personal practice. But right when you're about to climax, mm-hmm. um, speak out into the universe the things that you want um, or that you even want to release. Yeah, y'all hear that? Listen, I'm going to try that. What? Yeah, sex magic. Like I said, I dabbled a few things, but sex magic is definitely one thing that I've heard from. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even like growing up in a family I grew up in, like they, the women would talk about just like different things that women do to men and just like warning my male cousins and like my brothers and stuff, like what to look out for because women are, you know, the essence of, I mean, in a way, like magic and life, you know, so, wow, see, come on, affirmation, I got to think about what kind of affirmation I want to say when I'm there, busting that. Mm-hmm. You better hope ain't nobody buried your drawers in their backyard or anything. Or it doesn't even have to be drawers, just something personal to try to keep you coming back. Put it in a jar, put some honey on it, do some things. But I don't believe in doing stuff like that, though. I wonder if any motherfuckers up there did that to me. I don't know. You, I feel like it's heavier here in the South because, you know, we're right here, you know, Louisiana, True. Texas. Um, a lot of my family is from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's a, maybe a little bit more heavier here. I feel like a little bit. I could be wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But the yeah, spirituality is, is everything. And um, don't let anybody tell you that as Black queer people, um, you know, you spirituality does not include you. It does not encompass you. It does. It absolutely does. 
because they will try to say that. And it's not true. It's really, it's, it's literally the biggest fucking lie. Because if anything, like you said earlier, we have been looked at as the high priests, you know, mm-hmm. again, the messengers from God, you know, literally, like you said the uh, earlier, the oracle, everything. The... Even if you pay attention in the movies, if you look when they dress them, mm-hmm. when they present them, if you pay attention to how they present them, mm-hmm. they usually look a little gender like ambiguous. Yeah. Or they have on makeup mm-hmm. or like their nails or something like that. They usually have like if they're supposed to be male, they have like a feminine essence to them. Yeah, because they used to talk about like the two spirits and, and everything like that. I'm like I remember growing up like, oh, I'm special. Like, I'm magical and y'all not. But that was just me. Um, Period. But I, I I, do agree with exactly like what you said when it comes to like the vessel part and protecting that. And it's something that I know for me, I could do a little bit better about practicing going forward. Because, you know, again, being a, being a dude, like, I'll be... You'll be fucking... I'd be fucking like I, I have like my moments where I need to get that stress off with another guy. And it's just like sometimes I don't need most times I don't need that. But I think like going forward, I do want to tap into what you had mentioned, like putting out like certain affirmations and things mm-hmm. after like during it. I'm going to touch on that. And define your sex. Hmm. Define your sex. And I actually learned that from this lady. She said, you have to define your sex. Because mm-hmm. no matter what, there's going to be an energy exchange. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, some people have sex for money. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have sex for love. Um, but everything in life, you know, Solange said, do nothing without intention. She did say that. Nothing without intention. So that just goes into that. Like, what's the intent here? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it that you want to take from this? What do you not want to take from this? Um, be intentful in that as well. Um, but there are also just other spiritual practices you can do to protect yourself. You know, after you fuck, do a spiritual bath. You know, put you some Epsom salt. Mm-hmm. Put you some herbs. Um, there are YouTube videos that I use. I don't know all of this stuff just off the top of my head. Put you some Florida water in there. Mm-hmm. Um, okra. I've done um, spiritual baths with okra um, because I would like chop it up mm-hmm. and then I would put it in a jar and I would let it sit in the sun. You know how okra makes like that slime? Yeah. Um, I would put some other herbs and some stuff in there and then strain out the actual okra. Don't throw it away. Mm-hmm. You want to put it in like a like a natural sort of bag and then you want to throw that into an actual like body of water by you, whether that's um, like a river or if that's a bayou if you have a bayou mm-hmm. or a lake or something like that and then you actually take the bowl of um, okra mm-hmm. I will place two um, candles on each side of my shower or of my tub and that kind of like makes like a light barrier okay. and then you would take and scoop out the stuff that's left over from the okra Mm -hmm. and kind of just affirm and put the slime on you Mm -hmm. Um, or you can pour it on your head and let it run down your body and that's supposed to pull and literally pull everything out and then you rinse it off and then usually I'll sleep in white um, that day and then maybe the next day. Ooh. 
Yeah, because I did something similar. Like my one of my mentors, uh, one of my best friends, Tisha, who has been on the show, uh, she has been teaching me just when it comes to like the spirituality aspect mm -hmm. of it, like a lot of the um, African spirituality and Yoruba uh, relationships, like in general. And one of the things I remember she taught me like back in 2013 was like a white, a white bath. Mm -hmm. And we would then do like a, a sugar and salt mixture with sage. And then you sleep in it. Like, you have to, like, scrub and exfoliate your body with it. You know, have, like, a special, like, uh, cover sheet, like, on your bed. But you need to go to sleep covered in that. Like, let it dry. Mm -hmm. um, and then wash it off with uh, with milk. Mm -hmm. But you can't, yeah, you can't have sex. You can't be around other people because you don't want that energy from them now sticking to your non-pure energy. So very similar stuff but okay yes do your spiritual practices like that stuff is for us mm -hmm. that stuff was for us by us yeah um and you know they take so many things um that were for us and they demonize it and make us think that it's you know demonic or it's bad or it's dark but of course there's duality in everything so of course there is some darkness in it right but it has to be Mm -hmm. um for it to be balanced it can't be all one thing mm -hmm. i mean there has to be a mixture of both but it's really all about your intention and um i encourage anybody to explore their spirituality like you you got to tap into that especially being black people and then even more so i feel like being black queer people because mm -hmm. i feel like we already got a notch like we're in god's favor mm -hmm. being black because i feel like the chosen people are black people. And I feel like you got it even more of a notch being queer. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that puts you a little more closer to God as well. I like to think so. That's how I feel. So, I mean, I would tell anybody to define your spirituality for you. Mm -hmm. And then take the me. I take things from different things. Like, you know what I mean? I leave what doesn't work for me. And um, I take what does. Um, even with Christianity, like I haven't completely denounced that. Um, I feel like there are things in Christianity that I do find, you know, some some belief in yep. um, and trust. Um, and then there are aspects of it that I just kind of write off as like, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I feel like you added that in, but I'm going to stick with this part. Yep. Leave what doesn't apply. So I feel like and you can do that with spirituality just in general, but... Um, everybody should have some kind of spiritual relationship with whatever your higher power is. I agree. I definitely, again, like I do the same thing. And the funny thing is just that for the most part with a lot of these religions, at the basis of it, the foundation at least, is teaching good character, you know, and being a good person overall. And it's just like they just may explain it differently. And I like to touch on a few of those different practices from different religions and different spiritual practices and mm -hmm. things like that. And if it works for me, I, I hold on to it. Or if it doesn't, you know, I try it out. I'm okay, yeah, it's not my, it's not a, along with my practice, but I can still appreciate the beauty in whatever it may have been. So, mm -hmm. you know, like, but no, I definitely want to touch on the, 
affirmations aspect when it comes to sex next time i do get the opportunity to engage in sexual activity with another man like i want to try that out and even tonight like i want to like go to the mirror and like really speak some things into like the mirror and stuff but i'm gonna have to figure out what the fuck it was but i mean see i would say wait till you do that in your home okay that makes sense versus doing that um where you're at now because right now it's more public it's more personal it's too many spirits that have came in and out that room mm -hmm. um you never know what happened in that room what happened in that mirror because mirrors hold energy they do this is true um, so if you're going to do something like that especially for the first time i recommend you do that in your home in your space in your mirror i can see that i can totally see that so i guess like with this new year upon us and stuff what are you looking for when it comes to just securing more of who Monet is, but then also even like when it comes down to like what Monet wants when it comes to like just love and if that's something that you could see in the future sometime soon or even next year, like what does that look like for you? Um, love for me looks just happiness. Like, I just want to be happy. Um, I want to continue to work in my divine purpose. Um, I want to figure out, you know, just whatever I'm supposed to be doing, I want to be doing it. Um, I want to be on track with that. Mm -hmm. Um, if that means love, because I feel like I have love now. You know what I mean? I feel like it's a lot of people around me that love me. I feel like even though I don't have a partner necessarily, I feel like I know love. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not lacking love. Um, I am lacking a little bit. And I feel like I even get intimacy. I feel like even what we're doing right now is intimate. Yep. Um, so I'm just looking for more of that. Um, I'm looking for more intimacy, mm -hmm. um, more love in different ways mm -hmm. and all ways that are healthy and beautiful and pure. Um, I want to meet more people. Um, I've been very blessed to be able to meet um, a lot of people with how we met on Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. um, so I've kind of been able to open up my friend group. You know, I got people coming in town. You here to come yeah. see me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I want to have fun. I want to live. I want to travel. Um, my main focus is not really falling in love. I want to be a mom. Eventually. That doesn't have to be this year. Mm -hmm. I might sign up for the puppy. Okay. Um, you a plant mama now mama you know i'm doing my thing mm -hmm. but it's time for me to get some shit together like i feel like i'm doing okay now mm -hmm. um but i feel like i can do better like i want to start a business so those are more so my goals like i want to really level up and boss up and do some things that i promised myself that i was gonna do mm -hmm. you know what i mean i'm getting to that you know i'm 30 now so it's time for me to really start setting my life up Yep. to be able you know to have a beautiful life for the rest of my life i know that's right i know that's motherfucking you know i'm happy you will we will have it we will and y'all will too see y'all see now y'all know miss monet because like i say it's been a while but like i've just been able to you know especially like even coming from like the app from clubhouse at least when the conversations would shift into just like more of like a deeper meaningful conversation when it comes to uh 
society issues or spiritual issues and stuff like that. And I always was able to tap in and agree with you on those aspects of things. And like, okay, I like her viewpoints with this and this. And I'm just excited that we got to learn some new things about each other tonight. And then also just most importantly, that the people that's listening to this are able to like hear and to kind of even aspire to certain things Mm -hmm. or to even see themselves in your own experiences and everything like that. And I think that's what matters the most, you know, that's like what makes the most impact over anything in my opinion, I guess, but I agree. And I appreciate you doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, I appreciate you, you know, um, amplifying a trans voice. Of course. Um, I appreciate it. I'm sure the women that listen and the men that listen, they'll appreciate it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been sweet. It's been nice. But I just feel like for the nudists out there, um, you know, be kind to trans folk. Um, You know, um, we need your support. We need your love. Um, And not just the girls that you think are the dolls or, you know, the ones that you just feel like turn it. Not, Not just those all of the girls all of the girls all of the guys um show them all the same love the same support um and maybe sometimes just to be equitable a little bit more in certain areas than you would for other people um but i feel like you know i feel like it's definitely been a change i would say it's not perfect but Mm -hmm. i think the gay men are doing better um there's been meeting some really good gay men that have been you know treating me personally to speak to my experience very nicely of course things aren't perfect you have to your things in all friend groups mm-hmm. um but i just want to see more of that um and you know because you know we need our brothers we need the boys um because a lot of us don't have men to protect us mm-hmm. um, we have to protect ourselves and a lot of times we protect the whole community um so we need you know some support and some help um in any way we can get it. I totally agree. And yeah, y'all, I mean, really take that message from her and like really let that seep into you and really believe it because it's actually reality. And it's just, it's different ways to be able to support, like she mentioned. So I say the best thing is overall, you know, educate yourself. Google is free. You know, if you have certain questions and stuff, I feel like, you know, you should be able to access that through multiple resources that we have at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. And also just, you know, being able to learn and come with your swords down when you're having those questions and stuff. When you do get the opportunity to meet somebody who is trans, be that a trans man or trans woman or even a non-binary folk, right? So it's the best way just to be able to be empathetic, to be uh, soft and graceful with getting certain information, but also understanding that, again, and like we talked about, everyone's experience is different and unique to them, even though certain people may have certain things that do align with each other when it comes to those upbringing topics or even just like how people show up in life. I think that uh, it's best just to know that everyone's nobody's a monolith at the end of the day so you know this is this is amazing like i'm glad that we were able to like sit down and chat about this and stuff and really be able to like go into some detail you know and give some people like the that window of like being able to view what the life has been like for this one particular trans person again 
it's not everybody's experience you know so learn something make a friend you know yes and i hope the message was clear i know i could be all over the place but i hope you know that you learned something or if you didn't learn something i hope you just had a good time and um you enjoyed the conversation um i definitely enjoyed talking to you kenny again thank you for having me on your platform thank you so thank you nudist for listening i I love y'all I love y'all too. Oh my God. So if y'all missed it before we end, where can they find you? Only on Instagram, no TikTok, <laughs> no Twitter, <laughs> no Facebook. Uh, Monet spelled M-O-N-E period D-E-L-E-O-N is my only Instagram. Um, I follow back. I show love. Um, check me out. Okay, well, y'all heard that, and make sure to share, like, and subscribe to Nude Radio, streaming on all platforms where you can hear podcasts, and, of course, uh, let me know what y'all thought, you know, and definitely slide in Monet's uh, DMs respectfully, or do you want disrespectfully or respectfully, what you want? Um, well, nighttime, like, after probably about one thirty, it can be a little disrespectful, but keep it cute during the day. Okay, keep it cute, y'all, because she will leave you on red. Or she will troll you, like she said it before. Listen, I had a great time. I had an amazing time. Thank you, Kim. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>